Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. The Holy Spirit leads and guides His people, and we know that. The Bible talks about that the Holy Spirit is the one that directs our path. He will guide us. The Holy Spirit is a guide. Amen. He's a guide in life. So God speaks to us, and sometimes when He speaks to us, He will speak a correcting word. The Word of God is given for correction. Did you know that? That's what Timothy talks about. So God will speak at various times, and He will speak correction into our life. And we don't need to be afraid of that correction, or we don't need to say, well, you know, I really would like to hear about prosperity today. Because we all like that. We all like those times when God does speak those things, and He does minister those things through His Word to us. But we don't need to think that when we hear that word correction, that it has to be horrible, you know, no, not unless you're horrible. If you're horrible, I guess, you know, we all do things we shouldn't do, but if you're into things you shouldn't be, then, you know, it may cause you to squirm around in your seat a little bit more. I don't know. I want to read to you something that McCandlish Phillips said. And he was talking, I'm I'm just going to read this little uh, snippet to you. He believes obedience to God and His Word is the main bulwark of defense against the devil that Christians have. Obedience to God. When we see something in His Word that we choose to obey that, no matter if it's hard for us, difficult, it's not the way we thought it should be or whatever, but we choose to obey. And that's how we defeat the enemy is by obeying God. Amen? He notes that satanic takeover of a nation begins with people being drawn away from faith in God and from His Word. It moves secondly to increased indulgence in sin. And thirdly to false worship and supernaturalism. And fourthly to tyranny and dictatorship. In other words, the path that the devil wants to take people and ultimately a nation, he wants to pull them away from the Word of God and from their faith In the Lord Jesus Christ, those things are not important. You know what's important? That you just blend in society and that you just look like everybody else. Is that true? No. What's important is that you have your faith in God and you have His Word as premier in your life. Number one. And then when you see the Word of God, that you obey it. And that is what makes a great nation. It is not how many weapons we have, nuclear weapons. It's not what sharp leadership that we have. It's not any of that. It is our dependence upon God and upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And and so if we have dependence upon Him, we're going to depend upon His Word to give us direction and guidance. We are in a scary time in history. And in our nation, there's so many things that are off. 
They're, they're just off. They're ridiculous. And, and if we look back 20 years, we couldn't even imagine that it would be this way today. But it is. And so we have got to keep our faith in God and our faith in His Word and obey what we see in the Bible. And so when correction comes, then we heed that and we don't run from it. I want you to take your Bibles. I'm going to look back here in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hold on. Okay, so we're going to read here and I'm going to begin with um, verse number 5. In Hebrews 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. You've forgotten something. If you've forgotten it, then does that mean you need to remember it? All right, we need to remember this. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. Now, I think it's really important here when we look at this word chasten, it doesn't mean to beat up. It's not talking about a destructive action. Everybody say, it's not a destructive action. It's not destructive, but it's corrective. God, when He chastens His children, there's a correction that comes. And correction is not to be despised. In other words, when I see something in the Word of God, maybe when someone is preaching, or I'm reading the Bible, or I'm listening to someone on television preach, or a message, you know, somehow or another, or reading a book, and God begins to speak to me, and He begins to say to me, this is not right in your life. You need to get this right. Is that destructive? Is He trying to take away your pleasure in life? No, He's trying to save you a life of heartache if we will listen to Him. So his chastening is corrective action. It's not destructive. See, some people, and used to, this is the way I thought. I thought if God's chastening me, if he's going to correct me, then he's going to do something to harm me. That's what I would think. But I want you to compare this to a good earthly father. Would a good father... On this earth, would he do anything to harm his children? No. They might not get everything they want when they want it because if they do, what does that produce? A spoiled child. And who likes a spoiled child? We've been around them. And you want to run away when they're there. They're telling their mom and dad what to do. They're ruling everything. And nobody likes a spoiled child. And the parents, oh, isn't that cute? It's like, no, that isn't cute. You need to spank their bottom. <laughs> child abuse, child abuse. I tell you what, I sure got a lot of abuse when I was a child, if that's the case. <laughs> but you know what? It got my life in line. I'll just tell you that. It got my life in line. And it'll get our life spiritually in line when God begins to bring correction to us. Now, I'm going to say something that may shock you. If you never get corrected about anything, you better look in your life and see if you really know the Lord. 
Or you better look in your life and you better see if your conscience is so seared because you keep running over the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to where now you don't, you can't even tell when He's talking because you've just run over that so much. But you know, I'm going to tell you, man, God gets on my case. He does, and I'm glad for it too. Because He loves me and He doesn't want to leave me the way that I am. And year after year, I'm sure that that's going to be a part of my Christian walk and your Christian walk. But you know, there does come a time where you do mature more. And so He's not dealing with you about the same old things that He was dealing with you before because you as an obedient child get that in line. And you obey. And you suck it up and get tough. You know, when you know that you're, ne- you're needing to treat people the right way, and you've gone years not treating them the right way, and then you begin to see in the Word of God to be kind to people. Actually, that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That means that people know that God's in you because you can be kind. And you can have compassion. And you can show mercy. You know? And, and, and you know, you get a lot of people. and Well, I'm just, this gift I've got, I'm just prophetic. I just tell them like it is. Well, you know what? There is a prophetic gift. And there is a time for straight talk. But you never do things like that to wound and hurt and harm people. And you know, I've said straight things before. And when I say it, And the Holy Spirit quickened. Boy, that didn't come out right. That's not the way you should have said that. And it's like, man, I'm quick to repent over that. And if I need to go back to someone, I'll do it. See, pride will stand in the way when God begins to correct. Pride can stand in the way and stop. But we're not going to let that happen. All right, so he says here, For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. This word chasten means to train as a child. It means to discipline or bring correction. It also means to educate. Do you know that I want to go to the school of the Holy Spirit and be educated there? It's better than any of our great universities that we might have, even though... They, they're, we have some wonderful schools. We have wonderful university and colleges. We do. But the school of the Holy Spirit is where we need to be trained and educated and learn discipline in our life. I want it. I want it. Give it. Give it. Give it. Now, when we were children, that may be okay. But our parents deal with that and they teach us that you don't get everything you want when you want it. You know, but we live in a society. What do we have? We have instant potatoes. We can, I saw we have these microwave dishes now where, you know, we can have an Italian dinner in 30 minutes in the, you know, and that's, that's everything, you know, setting the table, getting out the drinks. Getting your silverware and having everything. Well, you know, we're, we're so used to that. But, you know, some things are not that way. And we don't get them just the moment that we want them. And we need to learn discipline. 
don't we? Well, we I'm just getting too many amens here tonight. I don't know, I can't preach this if y'all don't hold it down. <laughs> okay, it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? Now, I want you to look at that. If you endure chastening, if you endure discipline, if you endure correction, if you endure training, if you endure education, the Holy Spirit's education. You see, we as God's children don't have to endure it. We can run from it. But I'm going to tell you, you will meet up again as long as you know the Lord now. He, you, he will never leave you. He will never leave you. He will be there dealing with you and me. And this endurance is that we receive the correction. We receive the training. We receive the discipline. And we do it God's way. I'm going to tell you, too many times, Philip, people try to do things on their own and do it their way. We're like that. We don't endure. Well this, well that. <coughs> Let me tell you something. If you've got a problem in your life and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, don't you try to blame it on your husband. Don't you try to blame it on your wife. Or don't you try to blame it on your preacher. Or don't you try to blame it on anybody else. you got to look at yourself. I have to look at me. When God begins to deal with me, I've got to have endurance. And I've got to receive what He wants to do in me and not turn. You see, this is the way that we are. They, they do it in politics all the time. You know, things don't go so well. And so what do they do? They'll spin it and they'll get it. Everybody looking at someone else. Well, in Christianity, that doesn't work. You may try it, but God is going to deal with you. And He's going to deal with me. And so, you know what? When God begins to chasten us or train or educate or correct us or discipline us, we ought to rejoice because that means that He loves us enough to do it. And like I said, if you don't receive that from the Holy Spirit, if God never deals with you about anything, then you have to take notice in your life. And you have to say either, I don't know the Lord, or I've just ran over His voice so much that I can't even hear it anymore. And so that's not a good place to be, is it? Okay, so if you endure chastening, God deals with you, as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chastens not? Now, my father loved me. And your father, if he was a good father, and we know that all fathers aren't, and that doesn't mean that fathers are perfect, but, you know, most fathers love their children. And so they, they want to correct them, and they want to do things to help them for their future. So that when they grow up, they can be mature adults and make good decisions. Wouldn't you think that that's true? But you see, sometimes... Now, 
I talked a little bit about this last time, and I told you that when, when I was a little girl, that my dad sometimes, when I would act up, he would say, okay, now you go out there, and usually it wouldn't be me by myself, it'd be my brother and one of my sisters, you know, it'd be more than one, because we'd probably be getting at each other. Have y'all ever done that? No, I, I can tell y'all were perfect children. Okay. Well, so he'd say, you go out there and you get your, you, you go out there and get me a switch off that tree in the front yard and you bring it in here and I'm going to spank you. And I, I would just be begging. I'd do everything to get him to stop. And you know, I, looking back, I could tell it wasn't something he wanted to do. It wasn't something that he enjoyed doing, but it was something that he knew he needed to do for me. And I'm so thankful he did. But let me tell you, when it talks about enduring, chasing, you know what I would do a lot of times? You know, so he would, you know, grab my arm in here. He'd be striping my legs, you know, or whatever with that switch. And when he would do that, I would be pulling, I would just be going around. (laughs) See, I was trying to get away from correction. And sometimes spiritually, that's what we do, you know. We try to just go around the Father. We try to get around there. And see, I think we can learn a lot about the correction of the Father through our growing up years. You know, we can, we can really look at that. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you, let's, let's just, well, let's just keep reading verse number eight. But if you be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers then... Are you bastards and not sons? Now, this word bastards, you know what it means. You know, it's one without a father, but it also means undisciplined. And it can also mean not part of being a blessing. Not part of being blessed would be a better way to say it. Not part of being blessed or not part of receiving the promises, you see. So we go through the correction, but what is correction like? Now, I've tried to explain it a little bit, but listen to this. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us. I just told you about my father correcting me. And you probably have some stories that you could tell that we could laugh at. But it wasn't too funny at the time, was it? And we gave them reverence. We honored and respected. I honored and respected my father for disciplining me and training me. But he goes on to say, Shall we not much rather be subject, be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Now that gives us a little key into how correction comes. Correction doesn't come to your flesh. Remember, it's not destructive action that God takes. He's the father of spirits. So if he's the father of spirits, what does he deal with? Our spirit. That's where the correction, that's where the discipline, that's where the education, and that's where the training process comes. And it's up to us when it comes to make a decision What are we going to do with what the Holy Spirit is talking to us about? Well, you know, he may talk to us about people that are of the not, not of the same political persuasion that we're of. 
that we don't need to be so nasty. We can still make a stand. We can still believe what we believe, but we don't have to be nasty about it. He may speak to us about something that we're doing to our spouse to hurt them, to cause trouble in their life. And then what do we do? We respond to that. Well, bless God, I've been married to them for 10 years and they've been blah, blah, blah. Well, God's dealing with you. And He's dealing with me. And you let God deal with them about what they've been doing for 10 years. And if you will obey and you'll receive this training and discipline and education and correction, you, you can see the whole situation turn around. You know, when, when we're into things of the flesh that we don't need to be into, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is there the whole time telling us there's a red flag. It's a danger zone. You're getting ready to fall into a pit. He speaks to us about that. And you know, when a red flag goes up, we have two decisions we can make. We can either get angry and act like it isn't true, or we can become vexed or convicted, whatever you want to say, and deal with it. You, you've heard about the bullfighters and they'll hold up the red flag, you know, in front of that bull. What does the bull do? The red flag. Red flag. He gets angry and he charges. Well, see, that's not what we need to do. We don't need to get angry about it. We need to, to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of things that are going on. And see, they can be fleshly things. Um, Eddie talked a few weeks ago about spiritual sins. Things that are going on in us that nobody else even knows that are going on. See, some things are outward and we can look. You know, if you're into pornography, it's a sin and it'll send you to hell. And we can look and see that. But you know, if you're prideful, if you're haughty, if you don't forgive people, you know, and those kinds of things, you can keep that camouflaged and hidden for a, at least for a while. And then things will start popping out. So there's those kinds of things. Let me read this to you. Proverbs 3.12 For whom the Lord loves, He corrects. Even as a father, the son in whom He delights. See, the Father, the Heavenly Father, wants to delight in His children. Just like we want to delight in our children. Oh, isn't that little Johnny? Isn't he just the cutest little thing? Look at him. Now, when they're acting right, I'm not talking about when they're acting up. See, we delight, and that means we enjoy and we take pleasure in our children. And see, that's what the Father wants to do. He wants to delight in us. He wants to take pleasure and enjoy us as being His children. And so that takes obedient children. Amen? Sometimes we think if we don't deal with things, even if God's speaking, urging, tapping us on the shoulder, if we, if we don't deal with it, we'll just, la-da-da-da-da, he's not really speaking to me, da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, just acting like it's not really going on, that it'll go away. But that's not really true. 
It's a red flag, and we've got to deal with it, and we've got to deal with it in a scriptural way, not by blowing up and losing our temper, telling someone off, letting them have it, not any of those things. Strife is a powerful force, but so is unity and harmony. It is powerful. And that God knows that, and that's why He wants us as His body to be in harmony and unity. And that's why the devil wants us to be in strife and contention and fighting and bickering and divisions. That's why the devil wants it. Now, strife has ended marriages. Strife has destroyed businesses. It's divided churches. It's wrecked relationships with other people that have been friends in our life. We get in strife and we get in pride and then we won't deal with things. And when, when the strife comes, we better take heed and we better look and see what we need to do to correct it. Now, as I was thinking about strife, I was thinking about God and how strife affected God, the Father, in heaven. One-third of His angels were turned against Him by Satan himself. And there was division and strife that came in at that point in time. And so God, He knows all about strife. He knows all about that, and He's given us a book full of things that can help us in being able to deal with it. Amen? James 3.16 says this, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Where strife is, where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. What is envying? Well, you could say jealousy. Where there is jealousy and strife or contention and selfish ambition, there is confusion. And that word confusion talks about disorder, devastation, and instability. I tell you what, if you look at a person that, that lives their life, some people live a life of strife. And there's instability all around there. There's devastation. They go from one mess to the other. And there's confusion and disorder. All, all around them. And see, strife can bring, it's not the only thing that can bring those into your life, but it is one, and you need to look at that when things that are going on. And I tell you what, all it takes, you know, is for God to point out to me, now look here, look what's going on in your life, and you've opened the door to the devil here. I mean, I want to get that door slammed, don't you? I mean, I want to get it slammed. Don't give the devil a toehold. Give him no place. That's what that means. Don't let him get his foot in the door. Because once his foot gets in, he's kicking the door open and he's coming in. And we know what he can do when he does that. So we need to, by obedience, obey, obeying the word, we need to close the door. Amen? Get things right. There's no limit to what strife then can bring into your life. Wouldn't you agree with that? I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 
verse number one. And I, brethren, this is children of God, right? Born again people, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, I want you to look at this. He said, I couldn't talk to you as a mature Christian because you're not there. You're still carnal. And that word carnal means fleshly or sense ruled. You're letting your emotions, uh, just the circumstances dictate. And he said, you are a babe when that happens to you. So we can think we're mature, but that gives us a look and an insight into what maturity really is. I have let or I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you. Now see, sometimes you can't receive the word of God because, you know, it's maybe meat. And he said, I'm not even able to tell you some things because you're just still a babe and you're, you know, you're drinking milk. That's, that's your nourishment. See, we need to go past that, don't we? We start out there, but then we need to grow up. We need to get mature. And then we need to be able, when things are hard, for us to receive or to see in the Word of God. We, as, if we're mature, we need to be able to acknowledge it. For you are yet carnal, for there, whereas there is among you envying, and strife, and divisions, are you not carnal, and walk as men? That's really talking about, are you not sense rule, flesh, ruled by your flesh and your emotions, and you're just walking like a mere unchanged man? How many of us as Christians all over the world that call on the name of the Lord are walking as mere unchanged men. But we're not mere unchanged men. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us in one place to renew our minds. He says, have a fresh mental attitude. And don't let the world, in Romans 12 too, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by renewing your mind to think like God thinks, to act like God acts. You know, doesn't the Bible tell us to be imitators of God as dear children? And so who we, you know... Uh, if you think about your children when they're little and growing up, what do they want to act like mom and dad, don't they? They want to just be like mommy and daddy. Well, see, that's what God says. Imitate me. Be like me. How is God? God treats people right. He doesn't get in division and separation and contention and fighting and fussing and going on. You know, it's sad, but but in Christian homes even, in Christian homes, people are fighting and fussing and cursing and going on. And if that's you tonight, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you there is a better way. Don't act like a mere unchanged man or woman. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Have a fresh mental attitude of what does God want in my marriage? What does God want in these people that I'm relating to on my job? What does God want? Well, we know He doesn't want envy. He doesn't want strife. He doesn't want division and cliques and pulling here and pulling there. See, churches for years have been full of cliques. 
well, this little group over here and this little group over here and this little group over here and I'm against them and they're against, you know. You can't get anything done in the kingdom with that kind of a mindset and attitude. Have a fresh mental attitude toward life and do things God's way. And when He corrects, you know, respond to that correction because He loves you. And He loves me, and that's why He does that for us. And if we respond to it, then we can be better Christians, and we can be better parents, and we can be better husbands, and we can be better wives, and we can be better employees, and we can be better church members, and we can be better family members if we do it His way. Amen? So here He says, For you are yet carnal, or led by your flesh. Just let me get to him. Have you ever seen anybody like that and you have to hold them back because they're about to get into some trouble through what they say and what they do? See, that's being flesh ruled. And we've everyone been there. So we can't condemn each other. What we have to do is just say there's a better way. There is a better way to live. Amen? There is. All right, so... What I want to do now, um, I'm going to skip through some things and, and I'm just going to talk just a moment about when you get in strife many times, there's anger obviously involved in that. And Colossians 3 tells us to put off anger. Put off anger. Now I want to, I want to tell you something. If, if there was, let's just say there was a bee that had gotten into your jacket. And if that bee was in there, do you think you're going to keep your jacket on? You're going to put it off, right? Okay, that's what he's saying. Put off anger. Rip that thing off because it's like, you know, that bee in your jacket that's going to sting you, except it might be a lot worse than a bee of what it brings into your life. But see, what I'm saying is the bee will sting. It will hurt. And anger will hurt you. It will harm you and it will hurt and harm other people. So put it off. Rip rip it off, just like clothes. Take it off. You know, when you go home tonight, if you're like me, when I go home, first thing I do, I grab my casual clothes. And I mean, they are really casual you know, cut off shorts and t-shirt and, you know, I got these shoes that look wonderful. Lauren just loves them. She thinks they're great. <laughs> it, but you see, I take off the dress-up clothes and I put on my casual. Well, that's what God's saying. Take off anger and strife and put on love and treating people right. Amen. I want to give you four facts about anger that you need to know. Number one is anger is not the real problem. That's symptomatic. It can stem from hurt, from fear, or frustration. That's where anger comes from. Have you, you seen children and they get abused, they're hurt? And what do they do? They get angry. And what do they try to do? lash out and hurt someone else. Well, sometimes we're living in the kingdom of God like abused children. And we've been hurt. We might have been in a church and we got hurt. Maybe we weren't treated right. And folks, I've been done like that in church. 
you know, but it didn't make me, you know, get sour on humanity and turn my back on, on my brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. You don't want things like that to happen, but they happen. You know, so you learn how to deal with it. And if you get angry, then that will take you into something you don't want to bring on yourself. But anger is not the real problem. It can stem from the hurt, the fear, frustration. The second fact that you need to know about anger is expressing anger. Now listen to this. Does not decrease anger. It usually reinforces the tendency for future outbursts. Well, we just have to let it out. Well, you know, there is a time the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So when you get uh, uh, in a situation and you're angry about something and you have this wrath, this blazing anger that comes up and you display that and you see that is giving rule to your flesh. Saying, hey flesh, come in here and just take over. And But if we can get it under control, and there has been times, honestly, I mean, it was all I could do not to have an outburst of anger. All I could do, but you know what? I've done it, and I haven't had it, and I kept it under control because the Holy Spirit is in me. And self-control is there, and we don't have to lose it. But now if we do, the beauty of it is we're going to have another opportunity to pass the test. They'll always be there as long as we're here. Amen. Now I'm going to read that second one again. Expressing angers does not decrease anger. It usually reinforces the tendency for future outbursts. In other words, you do that once, it's going to next time is easier. Next time is easier. Next time is easier. But see, you can control it because you have the Holy Spirit who is self-control. The third fact about anger I want to talk to you about, how you handle anger is learned. You can learn new ways of expressing and controlling anger. We need to know that, folks, because we might have grown up in a home where everybody is yelling and screaming and angry. They live angry. Have you ever seen someone, they just live angry? I mean, they come in the door and they're angry. Nobody's done anything. Nobody's said anything. They just come in, slam the door, and they're angry. And see, if we grow up in that, then we learn to live that way. So when we come into the kingdom, or we may have been born again, but we didn't know the Word of God, and now we get our minds renewed to the Word of God, we have that fresh mental attitude that I'm talking about. And so you have to learn a new way of relating to, a, to people. And folks, it's gonna, the, the number one place is inside your home. You know, that's easy for us to, you know, be short with one another. Say ugly things to each other. But you know, if we will begin practicing in our home, obeying the Bible, and see, now I want to tell you something. If you go home and you try, well, you heard what she said tonight, and that's you, that's you to a T. If you do that, I'm calling you tomorrow. No, that's not what you need to do because I'm not talking to your spouse. I'm talking to you. Say she's talking to me. 
You talking to me? Yeah. I am talking to you. So see, don't, don't point at other people. You're, deal with you. And, and, you know, I've taught these marriage classes, you know, and I, and I always tell them, look, you deal with you and God will deal with them. But don't you try to deal with them when all the time you've got these issues yourself. Well, we could get somewhere there, but I'll just better go on. All right. So that was the third, you know, handling your anger is a learned process and you've got to learn new ways to express and control your anger. The fourth fact about anger is the other person is not responsible for making you angry. You take responsibility. You take responsibility. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.